we are about to hear chapter four. It's called Turkish Delight. But what are you? said the queen again. Are you a great overgrown dwarf that has cut off its beard? No, your majesty, said Edmund. I never had a beard. I'm a boy. A boy, said she. Do you mean you are a son of Adam? Edmund stood still, saying nothing. He was too confused by this time to understand what the question meant. I see you're an idiot, where, whatever else you may be, said the queen. Answer me once and for all, or I shall lose my patience. Are you human? Yes, your majesty, said Edmund. And how, pray, did you come to enter my dominions? Please, your majesty, I came in through a wardrobe. A wardrobe? What do you mean? I, I opened a door and just found myself here, your majesty, said Edmund. Ha! said the queen, speaking more to herself than to him. A door, a door from the world of men. I've heard of such things. This may wreck all. But he is only one, and he is easily dealt with. As she spoke these words, she rose from her seat and looked Edmund full in his face, her eyes flaming. At the same moment, she raised her wand. Edmund felt sure that she was going to do something dreadful, but he seemed unable to move. Then, just as he gave himself up for lost, she appeared to change her mind. My poor child, she said in quite a different voice, how cold you look. Come and sit with me here on the sled, and I will put my mantle around you, and we will talk. Edmund did not like this arrangement at all, but he dared not disobey. He stepped onto the sled and sat at her feet, and she put a fold of her fur mantle, which is like a carpet or a big, a big, big scarf as a mantle, round him and tucked it in well. Perhaps something hot to drink, said the queen. Should you like that? Yes, please, your majesty, said Edmund, whose teeth were chattering. The queen took from somewhere among her wrappings a very small bottle, which looked as if it were made of copper. Then, holding out her arm, she let one drop from uh, let one drop from it onto the snow beside the sled. Edmund saw the drop for a second in mid-air, shining like a diamond. But the moment it touched the snow, there was a hissing sound, and there stood a jeweled cup full of something that steamed. The dwarf immediately took this and handed it to Edmund with a bow and a smile, but not a very nice smile. Edmund felt much better as he began to sip the hot drink. It was something he had never tasted before, very sweet and foamy and creamy, and it warmed him right down to his toes. It is dull, son of Adam, to drink without eating, said the queen presently. What would you like best to eat? Turkish delight, please, your majesty, said Edmund. The queen let another drop fall from her bottle onto the snow, and instantly there appeared a round box tied with green silk ribbon, which, when opened, turned out to contain several pounds of the best Turkish delight. Each piece was sweet and light to the very center, and Edmund had never tasted anything more delicious. He was quite warm now and very comfortable. While he was eating, the queen kept asking him questions. At first, Edmund tried to remember that it was rude to speak with one's mouth full, but soon he forgot about this and thought only of trying to shovel down as much Turkish delight as he could. And the more he ate, the more he wanted to eat, and he never asked himself why the queen should be so inquisitive. 
she got him to tell her that he had one brother and two sisters, and that one of his sisters had already been to Narnia and had met a fawn there, and that no one except himself and his brother and his sisters knew anything about Narnia. Remember we talked about how there can be multiple problems or multiple plot lines happening in a story at one time. This is a really good example. Like it's really, really obvious. Edmund's having his own couple of chapters about his experience in Narnia, just like Lucy had her own chapters about her experiences in Narnia. So C.S. Lewis is making it really obvious to his reader that you can have multiple, more than one storylines happening at the same time. You are sure there are just four of you, she asked. Two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve, neither more nor less, said Edmund. And Edmund, with his mouth full of Turkish delight, kept on saying, Yes, I told you that before, and forgetting to call her your majesty. But she didn't seem to mind now. At last, the Turkish delight was all finished, and Edmund was looking very hard at the empty box and wishing that she would ask him whether he would like some more. Probably the queen knew quite well what he was thinking, for she knew, though Edmund did not, that this was enchanted Turkish delight, and that anyone who had once tasted it would want more and more of it, and would even, if they were allowed, go on eating it till they killed themselves. But she did not offer him any more. Instead, she said to him, Son of Adam, I should so much like to see your brother and your two sisters. Will you bring them to me? I'll try, said Edmund, still looking at the empty box, because if you did come again, bringing them with you, of course, I'd be able to give you some more Turkish delight. I can't do it now. The magic will only work once. In my own house, it would be another matter. Why can't we go to your house now, said Edmund. When he had first got onto the sled, he had been afraid that she might drive away with him to some unknown place from which he would not be able to get back. But now... He had forgotten about that fear. It is a lovely place, my house, said the queen. I am sure you would like it. There are whole rooms full of Turkish delight, and what's more, I have no children of my own. I want a nice boy whom I could bring up as a prince and who would be king of Narnia when I am gone. While he was prince, he would wear a gold crown and eat Turkish delight all day long. And you are much the cleverest and handsomest young man as I've ever met. I think I would like to make you the prince some day, when you bring the others to come and visit me. Why not now, said Edmund. His face had become very red, and his mouth and fingers were sticky. He did not look either clever or handsome, whatever the queen might say. Oh, but if I took you there now, she said, I shouldn't see your brother and your sisters. I very much want to know your charming relations. You are to be prince and later on the king. That is understood. But you must have courtiers and nobles. I will make your brother a duke and your sisters duchesses. There's nothing special about them, said Edmund. And anyway, I could always bring them some other time. Uh, but once you are in my house, said the queen, you might forget all about them. You would be enjoying yourself so much that you wouldn't want the, the, to bother of the bother of going to fetch them. No, you must go back to your own country now and come to me another day with them, you understand. It is no good coming without them. But I don't even know my way back to my own country, pleaded Edmund. That's easy, answered the queen. Do you see that lamp? 
She pointed with her wand, and Edmund turned and saw the same lamppost under which Lucy had met the fawn. Straight on beyond that is the way to the world of men. And now look the other way. Here she pointed in the opposite direction. And tell me if you can see two little hills rising above the trees. I think I can, said Edmund. Well, my house is between those two hills. So next time you come, you have only to find the lamppost and look for those two hills and walk through the wood till you reach my house. But remember, you must bring the others with you. I might have to be very angry with you if you came alone. I'll do my best, said Edmund. And by the way, said the queen, you needn't tell them about me. It would be fun to keep it a secret between us two, wouldn't it? Make it a surprise for them. Just bring them along in the, over the two hills, and clever boy like you will easily think of some excuse for doing that. And when you come to my house, you can just say, let's see who lives here, or something like that. I am sure that would be best. If your sister has met one of the fawns, she may have heard strange stories about me, nasty stories. They might make her afraid to come to me. Fawns will say anything, you know. And now, please, please, said Edmund suddenly, please, couldn't I have just one more piece of Turkish delight to eat on the way home? No, no, said the queen with a laugh. You, you must wait till the next time. While she spoke, she signaled to the dwarf to drive on. But as the sled swept away out of sight, the queen waved to Edmund, calling out, Next time! Next time! Don't forget! Come soon! Edmund was still staring after the sled when he heard someone calling his own name, and looking round, he saw Lucy coming towards him from another part of the wood. Oh, Edmund, she cried, so you've got in too. Isn't it wonderful? And now... All right, said Edmund. I see you are right, and it is magic. It is a magic wardrobe, after all. I'll say I'm sorry if you like, but where on earth have you been all this time? I've been looking for you everywhere. If I'd known you had got in, I'd have waited for you, said Lucy, who was too happy and excited to notice how snappishly Edmund, uh, Edmund spoke, or how flushed and strange his face was. I've been having lunch with Mr. Tumnus, the fawn, and he's very well, and the white witch has done nothing to him for letting, him, letting me go, so he thinks she can't have found out, and perhaps everything is going to be all right after all. The white witch, said Edmund, who's she? She is a perfectly terrible person, said Lucy. She calls herself the Queen of Narnia, though she has no right to be a queen at all. And the fawns and the dryads and the naiads and the dwarfs and the animals, at least all the good ones, simply hate her. And she can turn people into stone and do all kinds of horrible things. And she is made of magic so that it is always winter in Narnia. Always winter, but it never gets to Christmas. And she drives about on a sled, drawn by reindeer, with her wand in her hand and a crown on her head. Edmund was already feeling uncomfortable from having eaten too many sweets, and when he heard that the lady he had made friends with was a dangerous witch, he felt even more uncomfortable. But he still wanted to taste that Turkish delight. More than anything else, he wanted to eat it. Who told you all that stuff about the white witch, he said. Mr. Tumnus, Tumnus the fawn, said Lucy. Why, well, you can't always believe what fawns say, said Edmund, trying to sound as if he knew far more about it than Lucy. Who said so, asked Lucy. Everyone knows it, said Edmund. Ask anybody you like. But it's a pretty poor, it's a pretty poor sport standing here in the snow. Let's go home. Yes, let's, said Lucy. Oh, Edmund, I am glad you got in too. 
The others will have to believe in Narnia now that both of us have been here. What fun it will be. But Edmund secretly thought it would not be as good fun for him as for her. He would have to admit that Lucy had been right before all the others, and he felt sure the others would all be on the side of the fawns and the animals. But he was already more than half on the side of the witch. He did not know what to say or how he would keep his secret once they were all talking about Narnia. By this time, they had walked a good deal, and then suddenly they felt coats around them instead of branches, and the next moment they were both standing outside the wardrobe in the empty room. I say, said Lucy, you do look awful, Edmund. Don't you feel well? I'm all right, said Edmund, but this was not true. He was feeling very sick. Come on, then, said Lucy. Let's find the others. What a lot we shall have to tell them. And what wonderful adventures we shall have now that we're all in it together. Okay, so I want you to do a little bit of thinking about the multiple, the different plot lines and how Lucy is very true and good and wants one thing and wants her brothers and sisters to enjoy Narnia. And I'm already getting a sense that she wants to help the fawns and the animals and the dryads to defeat the witch. And on the other side, you have Edmund, who's been taken in by the magic of that Turkish delight. And he even said so himself, that he's more than half on the side of the witch. So he knows that that woman was a witch, that it wasn't a queen. And yet he still very much wants to be at least half on her side. So I want you to think about that as you go through your day and as you work through the little bit of... Um, reading work that you have for this chapter. Bye!